Great to be with you. I'm, my name is Steve. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here on the team. And if we're going to prepare room for Christ, there's one last thing we need to talk about. And that is cynicism. The critical nature that creeps into our hearts just because of the environment that we live in and the mood that we actually are experiencing this year. I mean, there's wars, war in Ukraine and other places. There's health issues. Fascinating thing is that compared to other nations of equal wealth or at least some wealth like ours, we, are, we have the worst health of those nations. 12th grade reading tests are down. I'm just giving you the highlights of what you hear every day. Um, our, oh, um, even though we know more about the health in terms of nutrients and how to eat, there's still obesity and related conditions rising over time. Young people who own a business has, has fallen by two-thirds. Illiteracy remains still a problem, even though there are 25 million books online for free. And then Americans read less, uh, it's down 25%, those who read it, only one book a year. I mean, there's just, I got all this stuff from a book called The Beautiful Resistance by a guy named John Tyson. But the truth is, is that this kind of cynicism even creeps into me and into us. Perhaps some of you have experienced what I have experienced this year, a lack of enthusiasm about the decorations I see that normally spur thoughts of Christmas season coming on. And for some reason in my mind this time, um, I'm a little more cynical about the gifts I'm giving and the gifts I'll receive. Um, I'm cynical about the prayers that kind of go around it. I'm, I'm, I won't ask for a raise of hands, but if, if you were sensing this too, then maybe you can understand that there is something going on in this season. Economics are down. Uh, I just rejoice at what happened in giving good because we had already prepared ourselves that um, this this year is not like last year. And um, get ready for that. Perhaps what really reflects what's happened in the last eight or ten months is this commercial. Perhaps you'll remember it. Um, It was 10 months ago that this commercial aired in the most expensive commercial market that there is. And pay special attention to right at the end of this commercial. Take a look. I call it the wheel. Hmm. I don't think so. What does it do? It rules. Yeah, so does a bagel, okay? A bagel you can eat. One of the worst ideas I've ever heard. Brother David, behold, it's a fork. I got ten forks right here, baby! (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) My lord? What is it? A toilet, my lord. A toilet? You expect this court to do its business inside? We're not animals. <laughs> we go outside like humans. It's coffee. It's new. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's awful. You don't like it? I'm all jittery and I feel like I got a big job coming on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hancock, you sign first. No, King! Gentlemen, have you taken leave of your senses? The people shall have the right to vote. Even the stupid ones? Yes! Stupid people vote? Yes! Ha! Edison, can I be honest with you? It stinks. Does your wife know what's going on here? She knows I go to work. You're wasting your time, and it's sad. You might as well put the dishes in the shower. What? Hey, Catherine, what's cooking? We're putting a man on the moon. Are you out of your mind? I can't even get tuna without celery. Nobody's going to the moon, ever. Why not? It's too far. It's far. It's really far. It's far. Wale-wale no mirai wa portable music desu. Takaka! Bakaka! Wakaru daro! Wakaru daro! Wakaru daro! Like I was saying, it's FTX. It's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. Yeah, I don't think so. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. Franklin! Hey, I left my cane in there. What? What do you mean? Hey! That's an expensive cane! Well, it turns out Larry was right. <laughs> About one thing. I mean, just this past week, Sam Bankman was indicted on at least eight criminal charges because of his involvement with FTX. I mean, there's just something about this year um, that is crowding Jesus out, if we're honest, called cynicism. And we don't know where to go to get advice to get out of it, to be honest with you. We turn to the things that put us into the cynical mood in the first place. We turn to the channel, we watch the same channels that got us where we are. We listen to the same program, same podcast, same deal. And we've got to be honest about this. If we're not, we're going to end up like my generation who has a theme song. You may not know this, but The Who has my generation's theme song. Perhaps you recognize it. No? Some of you do, some of you not. And there it is. Meet the new boss. Same old deal. If you don't know the name of that song, it's called We Won't Be Fooled Again. Cynicism creeps in. And we've got to decide which voices we're going to listen to. We can listen to the voice of exhaustion and fear and criticalness. Or we can accept the challenge from the scriptures that we've been working our way through for the past four weeks to bring celebration back into our Christmas season. Douglas Copeland in his book, Life, Without God's, Life After God, said this, Sometimes I think the people to feel saddest for are the people who once knew what profoundness was but who lost or became numb to the sensation of wonder. 
people who close the door that leads us into the secret world or who had the door closed for them by time and neglect and decisions made in times of weakness. Sometimes the people to feel most sorry for are those who knew the wonder of Christmas and have somehow become numb to it. We've been spending weeks in Isaiah chapter 9, a great Christmas passage, one that foresees the coming of the Christ child. And today we're on Wonderful Counselor. Before I read it, let me pray for us, and then we'll take a look. God, thank you for the chance to gather. Thank you for the opportunity. God, we admit and confess that there's a roteness sometimes to our holiday. There is a numbness, a busyness that crowds out the wonder. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. So God, please speak. In Jesus' name, amen. For to us a child is born, Isaiah says. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Wonderful counselor. Now, there's some interesting things about this combination of words. First, if you take, and there's some evidence that if you that Isaiah is being a little more subversive than we can know because we don't understand the original languages nor who's king at the time. But the, the king that's over and, and holding uh, Judah down, if you take wonderful and prince, which is the last phrase, you actually get the, the name of the king of the day. It would be like sneaking in. You think that king's great? This guy I'm talking about here is even better. Wonderful, we should be able to remember, I'll give you a hint on how to remember this word. It's, it's the word Pele, which is, some say, the greatest soccer player of history. And since you sit here while the greatest soccer match, the most interesting soccer match is about finished, don't say who won, some people are recording. Although I was really proud of Karina, she's really for the France and... Um, she was able to get through the songs before she ran back to see what's going on. <laughs> Wonderful has this idea of, of astounding, miraculous. It's used to describe the works of God. For example, Psalm 89, the heavens praise the wonders, Lord, your, your wonders, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. Isaiah 25, a little bit later, it says, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness you have done wonderful things. But this word is a bit different. It's not an adjective. It's not describing an act. It's a personal pronoun. It's capitalized. The only time capitalized in the scriptures, both wonderful and counselor, are here. 
It's not used to describe how God is. It's talking about the essence of who he is. That his counsel to us is always wonderful. It is astounding. It is miraculous. Counselor, here only used to describe God, is to give counsel deliberate, purpose, determinate. Now, don't think today we would think like we would see a therapist. We wouldn't necessarily think of that. We're talking about the counsel you receive, not the profession of counselor. That this counselor here, this wonderful counselor, it, 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 it kind of combines these ideas of something that's extraordinary and then also has this wisdom to it that's, that helps bring about the plans that are mentioned. And together... To give such a way where you not only are getting the right word, but you have the resources to accomplish it or the, or the strategy to achieve it. Psalm 16, 7, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. And so what is the call for us in this? The call is to act like a kid. To put aside all of your serious and adult ways and regain the wonder. To regain the wonderfulness of it. John Tyson in the book that I mentioned, Beautiful Resistance, said that celebration is godly defiance in a culture of doubt. There was a book growing up um, when I was younger called The Celebration of Discipline. And maybe what we need now is the discipline of celebration. We need to choose that we're going to be a part of this godly defiance in this culture of doubt around us, this culture of negative ideas, to not give in to it. I have to admit and confess to you that this has been something that's been a part of my life for about 10 years. I was not by nature cynical, nor am I even now today, but I have noticed that there's been a cynicism, a negative thing that happens to me now that has um, just come about, well, in the last 10 years. Uh, my wife was the first to point it out to me. She said that, well, which is, guys, that's the way it happens, right? Um, in, she has the insight into it, and she noticed that I was more angry when I drove. I think that's the first time she brought it up. And then the second time she brought it up was that when we watched cowboy games, it was no longer fun to watch the cowboy game with me because I was cynical. It happened when um, our son died, and I felt like I had healed and God was really nourishing me. But one of the places that it showed up was this, this inner critic that kind of expressed itself in ways, sudden bursts of anger, things that would normally be really fun for me to do. I became cynical. It's not something that I do every day. It's just something that I used to never do and now it pops into my life. And I have to choose to celebrate. 
to choose, actually, now for uh, several months now, I've been choosing to drive in the right lane, sometimes, <laughs> and do the speed limit, sometimes, <laughs> and yet it still kind of pops out that I've got to make this choice to return to the childlike wonder that this season brings out in me. In the book, The Life You Always Wanted by John Ortberg, he said this. We will not understand God until we understand this about him. God is the happiest being in the universe. God also knows sorrow. Jesus is remembered, among other things, as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But the sorrow of God, like the anger of God, is his temporary response to a fallen world. That sorrow will be banished forever from his heart on the day the world is set right. Joy is God's basic character. Joy is his eternal destiny. God is the happiest being in the universe. And if you take a look, you realize that Joy is all over the Advent story. It is all over it. Beginning with Elizabeth and Zechariah, they are, they, are, they are told that no word from God will ever fail. Mary, I am the Lord's servant. Do whatever you like in the midst of her worship. Angels, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. The wise men see, leave their flocks and go and worship. The, sh the shepherds, or, or the wise men go and worship. The shepherds leave their flocks and go to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Even Simeon and Anna, days after the birth of Christ, they each express this worship and joy of seeing the Christ child come. We need to allow God to become the voice we listen to the counselor we hear, because it is wonderful. Celebration becomes this constant choice for us, a conscious choice. And give it some thought. Another thing about Jesus that I love is that I think Jesus was invited to parties not just to help with the wine. You know, he was pretty helpful in that way, at least once. But I think he was invited too because he made the parties better. I think it was, there was actually more laughter when Jesus showed up, not less. And I think that that should define, help define us to take on this childlike celebration and wonder at Christmas. G.K. Chesterton said this. Listen carefully. This is, this is amazing. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until they're nearly dead. <laughs> For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again.
do it again to the moon. It may not be an automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Do it again. Do it again. This Christmas, do it again. Surprise me again at the freshness of what it means to be a follower of you. Surprise me again at the immense generosity of allowing your son to take on flesh. God, do it again. In 1965, I know that because I looked up the date. I don't remember it that specifically. There became a part of my annual events and kind of way that I went about my life. For the first time that I know of, the reading of the scriptures at Christmas. It happened in 1965 because that's the year that Charlie Brown Christmas Story came out. And Charles Schultz made a deal with the networks that the only way he would do the special is if he was allowed to include the reading of Luke chapter 2. And the character that he chose to read it was Linus. The insecure little kid that always carried around his little blanket. I want you to watch it this morning with childlike wonder. And notice the only time Linus ever drops his blanket is when he reads, Fear not. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Let's determine to fight the cynicism. 
I know that some of you <clears throat> have prayer you have prayed for Christmases past that remains unanswered. Fear not. I know that some of you or someone that you dearly love is in a crisis for health and you're not sure if they're going to make it through. Not even this week. Fear not. I know that some of us have children that have wandered away and we watch and love them dearly, but we see them making choices that we disagree with all of the time. And if we could, we would intervene, but we cannot. Fear not. I know that some of you have relationships that are broken in your family and may perhaps in your marriage. And this Christmas season is just another time to test patience, something that you'd like to avoid. Fear not. Some of you, work is not working. And you either need new employment or need something to change in your employment. And every morning that you get up, you've asked God to change some stuff, but so far it hasn't changed. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. For the wonder of Christmas, that very first evening for shepherds and wise men is still for, here for us. The amazing expression of love, the depth and the height and the width and the breadth of God's love for you. Fear not. Choose this day to fear not. Or to at least confess the fear and ask for help. You say, well, I don't even know if I can even do that much. Well, then, do you want to? Then you can. And even if you don't want to, a legitimate prayer is, God, I want to want to. Fear not. The enemy would seek to destroy the wonder of this week and to turn you into a cynic, just like your neighbors, just like the people you work with, just like that uncle you dread having over for dinner next week. Fear not. Good tidings. 
of great joy. The other advantage of this is that you don't just have the story of a child born, but you have the story of a man grown and carrying to Calvary's cross the penalty of sin for mankind. That God's expression, although immense and great and unbelievable, that he would take on flesh and bone and actually the creator of the world would submit himself to the weakness of a child. Even more. That was necessary so that he could become a man because the purpose was not just to be born in a stable and have a lot of cool songs written. That was not the purpose. The purpose was Calvary. The purpose was Calvary. And so, as an act of commitment towards a resolution to fear not and to celebrate instead of being a cynic. We have the opportunity to take communion together. Communion is an opportunity for us to remember the work of Christ on our behalf and also to celebrate it. I hope you got a little communion doodad when you came in. And if you didn't, just... Raise a hand and Mark and Dana and an usher in the back will help bring you one. Paul wrote about communion in 1 Corinthians that he received from the Lord what also he passed on to us and that has been passed on for now over 2,000 years. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Here's one other part to this. He continues on and says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, which basically means without thought, they will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Christ. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread or drink the cup. So I want to give you an opportunity now, just for just some time, that you would examine yourselves. You would simply ask, is there, God, is there anything that I have failed to do that you ask me to do that I have failed to do? Or is there anything that I have done? And as he brings that to mind, you simply just commit that act to him and thank him for the blood of Christ that gives full remission for the guilt of that sin. That our first act of celebration, getting out of the cynicism, is the celebration that is followed by every time we take communion. And that we have celebrated that the resource for, for right standing before God is not us, but it is Jesus. And we've been given the opportunity to confess anything between us and a Holy Father.
who is our wonderful counselor. Take just a moment before we take the elements. Anything you failed to do or anything that you need to confess that you did. now together, let's take the elements. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. How great you are and how ex great the expression of your love for us in Jesus. That he would be Emmanuel, God with us. that you would allow him to come and bear the penalty of sin and then invite us to just simply by faith believe in that work we thank you Lord Jesus we thank you for coming now do it again And until you do, may we be your children filled with your wonder at the good tidings of his coming. In Jesus' name.